All right, guys, let's see. Let me get all this out of the way. Get that out of the way. Um, yesterday, we were, <clears throat> we got down to verse number nine. So, for context, Acts chapter nine, verses seven through nine. Um, and again, this chapter is the conversion of, of Paul or Saul at the time. Uh, in verse number seven, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And bear in mind, that's exactly where he was going. Uh, in verse number two, it says, and desired of them letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found anyone of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. So Paul was, Saul was on his way to Damascus when this event occurred. So they led him by the hand the rest of the way. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. So what we pointed out uh, yesterday in our, in our study was that Saul was blinded for three days. And some would make the comparison, and I've, I've, I've never seen this comparison before, um, this study, this round through the book of Acts, that between Saul's three-day journey without sight and Jonah's three days in the belly of the great fish, uh, both were changed men at the end with uh, Jonah uh, going to Nineveh and Saul embracing uh, the Jewish Messiah. Um, Les Feldick makes another observation that should give us a clue as to Saul's calling in that he is the only apostle that is called outside of Jerusalem, outside of the confines of Jerusalem. Uh, Paul was on his way to Damascus, Syria, uh, while the, the twelve were called inside of Jerusalem, and that should be a hint that uh, Paul's calling was, was unique from the 12. Also something very interesting that I had never really put together was that um, Paul, Saul, was the only one that was a Roman citizen as far as I can tell. Uh, and that of course uh, made him both a Jew and a Roman, which uh, uniquely qualified him to be uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. Um, uh, very interesting, and of course that sets him apart uh, from the twelve. And of course he used these unique qualifications on several occasions uh, when he was arrested. You know, and he said, "May I speak to these people? I am a Roman." You know, and and the Roman guard allowed him to speak to those people because, or to the Jews, because he was a Roman. And then when he was arrested in Acts twenty two twenty four. Um, they found out that he was a Roman and they became very much afraid uh, because he was a Roman uh, that they had uh, that actually I think they beat him in, in Acts twenty two twenty four, 24 um, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried out against him and as they bound him with thongs Paul said unto the centurion that stood by is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is Roman and uncondemned uh, so Paul used the fact that he was a Roman to his advantage in, under several occasions. 
Um, and again, sadly, a lot of people, me included for years, uh, just did not see the significance of this. Um, I, I almost go back. I've, I, I had, I've had several requests over the past couple of weeks for commentaries, my previous commentaries, and I almost don't want to send them. Uh, and when I do send them, I, I send them with a caveat that I don't always see it that way. I don't see it that way necessarily today. I had a, a guy ask me for my Daniel Revelation commentaries a few weeks back. And then just recently I had a guy ask me for my Ephesian commentary. And I had to send them with caveats, with disclaimers. Um, in regards to that. So, so I get, I'm, I'm back at square one <laughs> in regards to that, because like so many, you know, I just did not see the significance of Paul. I was one of those that preached, um, that Peter got ahead of God by choosing Matthias and he should have waited on the, uh, on, on the, on the, uh, the conversion of Saul. Uh, but as we've discussed before, and this is where I left off last time, uh, Paul never met the requirements that were laid out um, in Jerusalem at the at the choosing of Matthias. Because if you look at those requirements, uh, Peter said, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. That alone disqualified Saul, uh, beginning from the baptism of John. Uh, and some would say that means that he had to have been baptized by John. Um, either way, he wasn't a part of them. Um, unto that same day that he was taken up from us. Uh, so he wasn't a part of that at the ascension and must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So again, I mean... Saul didn't meet those requirements at all, so they would not have chose Saul. But you know that would have not that wouldn't have deterred deterred me, and it it doesn't deter most. Um, I wrote down a few things, so it had to be someone who had been there during John's baptism, possibly even baptized by John, and had to have followed Jesus his entire three year ministry and had witnessed the resurrection, uh, meaning that he had to have been present for that 40 days seminar. Because <laughs> um, you remember between the resurrection and the ascension, there was a 40 day period that I believe the Lord spent some one-on-one -on -one time uh, with the apostles filling in the blanks uh, because they didn't have a clue what was going on. All they knew was they were following uh, this man who was they believed to be the Messiah who was going to set up a kingdom and all of a sudden he's dead. You know, he's the one we thought would deliver Israel, they said. Um, so Jesus used that time, that 40 day period. And of course, Matthias obviously was a part of that. Um, so, and, and Saul was not. So he, he was never qualified for that. Uh, Paul was always distinct from the twelve. Um, in Galatians 1 11, he makes this clear when he says, but I certify to you brethren that the gospel, which was preached of me is not after man for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, for you've heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, referring to Judaism, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. And we're going to talk about that as he's going to uh, meet Ananias. Um, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly jealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. And he says, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. And immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. In other words, I didn't go running to Jerusalem uh, to talk to the most eminent apostles. What I preach is unique in regards to that. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are the apostles before me, but I actually went out into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Now, we don't know. At least I don't know. I, I listen to some people that say they know, but I don't know at what point Paul went from a kingdom gospel believer to a grace gospel believer. Um, I, there's even some that say that he was always a grace gospel believer. I, I find that hard to believe. Um, he obviously embraced the gospel of the kingdom, and at some point down the road, Arabia before, after, during, not sure. Um, the grace gospel was revealed to him, and he was the first member of the body of Christ. He he believed that grace gospel according for, uh, to Timothy, uh, the writings of Timothy. Now, notice verse number 10, the writings to Timothy. Um, uh, verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him... Uh, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street that is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that my, he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I, I've heard many, many, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call upon your name. So here we introduce to Ananias, who was a disciple that was at Damascus. And it can be assumed from the text that he was part of the synagogue that Paul was going, um, that Paul had received letters to go and arrest. He was part of that synagogue. Uh, back up in verse number two, and he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether it be men or women, women, that he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. So obviously Ananias was a part of this synagogue. Uh, and with that in mind, it's any wonder that Ananias um, knew exactly who this Saul person was. When he said, Lord, I've heard many things about this guy, how much evil he's done uh, to thy saints in Jerusalem. Um, and Paul will even mention Ananias later in his testimony in Acts 22, 11, when he says he was a devout man according to the law. And he had a good report from all the Jews that lived there. So again... It's obvious from the text that the believing Jews had not stopped temple worship. They were still going 
to the temples. They were still a part of what was going on in the synagogues. They maintained their Judaism. Uh, but they had accepted the message of the gospel of the kingdom. They had accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Um, Paul also refers to this event in Acts 26, 9 through 11, when he says, For verily I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue. Where did he find these saints? They were still in the synagogues. Uh, and I compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Um, again, this flies in the face of the teaching that the body of Christ was born in Acts chapter number 2. Uh, these Jewish believers, called saints, by the way, we're going to get to that, um, were still very much a part of Judaism. Uh, there was no break at this point at all, uh, nor was there a desired break at all. Um, and it's important, and I'll close with this, to see that this is the first time the word saints is mentioned in the Bible. Or not in the Bible, but in the book of Acts. First time's in Matthew, but this is the first time that it's mentioned in the book of Acts, and it is clearly referring to Jewish believers. Um, this is also um, true when it's mentioned in the, the first time in the Bible, in the New Testament, which is Matthew 27, 52. In Matthew 27, 52, And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Um, in fact, uh, the word saint, singular, is mentioned four times in the book of Acts. And it is always referring to Jewish believers. It is always referring to kingdom believers. And that is important when you're studying the Bible. In hermeneutics, uh, it is called the law of first mention. And simply stated, it means that what that what it is what it first means should be the primary meaning throughout um, here's a quote the reasoning is that the bible's first mention of a concept is the simplest and clearest presentation doctrines are then more fully developed on that foundation so to fully understand an important and complex theological concept Bible students are advised to start with its first mention. So, if we go to Matthew chapter 27, the first time the word saints is mentioned in the New Testament, it's referring to Jewish believers. If we go to the book of Acts chapter 9, where we are now, the very first time the word saint is mentioned in the book of Acts, it's referring to Jewish believers. And every other time the word saint singular is referred to in the book of Acts, it is referring to only Jewish believers. So that's something to think about.
So, anyway, it's good to see you guys today. Leslie, God bless you from Texas. Uh, hope you're doing well. And uh, Scott, uh, Saint, Singular, and Acts. Yeah, it's, uh, if you do a, the word Saint, Where's my note there? The word saints mentioned as Virgin Fluids, Altar of the New Testament. In fact, the word saint singular. The word saint singular says it's mentioned four times in the book of Acts. Yeah, I don't see it four times in the book of Acts. I see it in the others. Let's see. Sing saints. Is it twice? Is it. It's mentioned saints, plural, one, two, three, four times. You're right, Scott. So uh, it's mentioned in Acts 9.13, 9.32, 9.41, and 2610, and it's always plural. So good call there. Um, but again, it's always referring to Jewish believers. So anyway god bless you guys hope you have a great day remember how much god loves you wants best for you he's working all things out for your your good and remember i'll be with you sunday morning nine o'clock and we'll put all this together okay god bless you hope you have a great friday